Hi, this is Dave of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch Podcast, and just wanted to let everyone know that our release schedule will be a bit sporadic over the next coming weeks. Unfortunately, I've had a death in the family, and uh, as you might imagine, that's made getting together with Wayne to record each week's podcast somewhat difficult. So, this week, we're going to dip back into the back catalog once again for our discussion of the zombie film, World War Z, or as Wayne likes to say, World War Z, because uh, he is somewhat of an Anglophile. But thank you for all of your thoughts in this trying time for me and my family, and hopefully we'll be back to our regular re- schedule soon so enjoy another sci-fi tv rewatch rewind life is hard when you don't know who you are it's harder when you don't know what you are my love carries a death sentence i was lost for years searching while hiding only to find that i belong to a world hidden from humans i won't hide anymore I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 51 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the Showcase Network's supernatural series, Lost Girl. And Wayne and I are also going to discuss all things sci-fi, supernatural, horror, and fantasy. Right, by also you suggesting that we're going to talk about Lost Girl. I am going to talk about Lost Girl. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, the focus of our show today is on World War Z. Or World War Z, if you were in the British Isles. All right, but... Which uh, we're not, so we're going to say World War Z. I do That's kind of like a little Wayne's World shout out. Okay, I think you're... Getting a little off topic, your executive function is, is showing function. a little I'm bit. Executively of, dysfunctional. Yes, but uh, that's a story for probably, uh, look, probably got, never. Uh, I think we're going to check out what Michael's got. We're going to block it out. Michael has just uh, showed up at the studio window with a cool new continuum cast poster. That's that's awesome, man. That's huge. <laughs> Michael, my partner on Liberate a Continuum podcast with Mike and Dave. Uh, I, I'm assuming one of the listeners must have sent that. So. Yeah, we'll get the scoop from Michael uh, when we're done here today. But it's cool if you want to send us stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no underwear though, please. I was going to say, of course, but then we'd have to give our address. just send it to Dave and Wayne in Maryland, <laughs> and I'm sure it'll get to us. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about World War Z today, but just a little bit of news, and and obviously the biggest news in the Lost Girl world is that season four is going to return. November eventually. 10th. Oh, November 10th. November 10th, oh, okay. Sunday night. And spoiler, you know, if you think titles of the episode is spoilerish, then stop listening for about 30 seconds. So the season four premieres titled In Memoriam, and we do know this one's written by Emily Andres. Mm. Uh, we've got a title for episode two, Sleeping Beauty School, and we've got a title for episode three, Lovers Apart, and there's a period after Lovers. Now, we don't have writers for either of those two episodes, but I'm psyched. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Going to have to go back it's, and... It's, uh, it's been a while, though. You know, like I, I, I kind of feel a little guilty. Like we've kind of gotten away from talking about Lost Girl, but it's their fault for not having like new shows and stuff. And yeah, you know what? I, I mean, I, I 
go back and forth on whether I feel guilty or not about the fact that, and we have been very zombie-centered. And for me, this has really been new, and I was having a conversation with somebody the other day that, that you know, you were really the one that has exposed me to the zombie film, and, you know, my att- attitudes changed completely. Right. Yeah. Well, once you once you go zombie, you can't go back. Well, you know, and, and I think that we're actually doing the listeners a service by putting this out there, but this is probably the last zombie film we're going to be doing. For now. Well, for now, right. But, <laughs> uh, you know, we only got one more week before, or one more episode probably right. before we have to start yeah. talking. No, I'm also kind of like, like we, I just feel like, you know, like so much of the stuff about Lost we've just kind of, and we've talked so much about it and kind of gone over that. Not that we're, we've been completely exhaustive, but it's just like, um, you know, I, I don't want to go back and end up saying, like, repeating stuff we'd said on right. previous podcasts or, or, you know, a number of times. So, uh, you know, I think just kind of like taking a break for a little bit and then we'll come back to it with a fresh start, fresh shows, fresh view and uh, be interested. Uh, you know, obviously with the way season three ended, it's, this is very exciting because there's so much up in the air. And the fact that the first one's called In Memoriam, that's, uh, you know, that's the way. yeah yeah who, right. who died it's, right who died or who is going to be dead and not dead at the end or i mean wow i mean there's just so like i said i mean just i said i'm not gonna repeat myself but now i'm repeating myself because just they, they left it they could go so many ways from the end of, of season three so it'll be right. very exciting to see uh, where they go with this well and and of course i mean you mentioning repeating ourselves and and i think we kind of realized that when we did the episode about vex and we did the one about lauren that we really were, like you said, just kind of saying things that we'd already said in individual episodes, just, you know, pulling them all together. But I think we both realized that it'd be more fun to do new things. Yeah. So, all right. Now, the only other piece of news is we're recording this the day after Halloween. So opening tonight at a theater near you, hopefully, is Ender's Game. Ender's Game, yep. So now, you know, obviously I don't go to the theater, so I'm going to have to wait till it uh, hits the DVD market. But uh, are you going? Um, I would. I, I, I am going to go see it, but I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. Right. You we've were saying a, you got another family film you're going to. Well, no, we got uh, we're actually going to go see a school production of Peter Pan. Oh, tonight. And then my daughter has a field hockey tournament all weekend. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And then the boys, I feel like have just, there's just stuff. There's just stuff going on this yeah. weekend. So, um, but I know, you know, both my boys this past summer read Enders cause they went away to summer's camp. And so I said, well, you know, they're asking me about books. So like, here, you, you'll love this book. And they both loved it. And so at summer camp, they're making plans with all their buddies to, you know, go see the movie and everything. Um, though again, they're, executive function they have not followed through on it <laughs> they haven't uh, actually yeah, called their buddies to make arrangements and plans and everything so but uh you know i definitely gotta go take them to see it at, at the earliest opportunity yeah and i'm sure they will make the plans as it as it opens and the, the buzz starts about it but uh, all right all right well anyway why don't we start talking about world war z which based on a book by max brooks that came out in 2006 and I never read the book, did you? I, I haven't, but I, people who have read the book and seen the movie said, the you know, as, as is often the case, that you know, the 
They the, say go read the book. If you yeah. like the movie, you should definitely read the book. The book is incredible. So um, I haven't read it yet, though. Yeah, and I probably won't. But that you know doesn't mean it. But anyway, um, the movie came out in 2013, and you know just for the sake of comparison, we were talking about. I told you I was going to look it up. So the the budget for World War Z was 190 million dollars, which you know in this day and age is is I mean it's still a lot of money, but it's not unheard of and certainly a film with this many special effects but they did bring in 540 million dollars at the box office now by comparison 28 days later that we we looked at the only figure i got was five million pounds so uh, i'm not sure how that converts i think that actually converts to around nine million to ten million dollars u.s yeah i I mean, I don't know what the current exchange is, but yeah, you know, roughly, I, I, I roughly double it, I think. Yeah, and it did bring in eighty-two million. So while the numbers were much smaller, I mean, by comparison, percentage-wise, they made a tidy profit. Dawn of the Dead, nineteen seventy-eight, George Romero, six hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget, <laughs> yeah. and it brought in fifty-five million. And that number would probably still be going if they hadn't let the the copyright slip out on them from under them like yeah, that. You know? Yeah, I mean. I think we talked about that at the time. Yeah, that's just, that's astounding, you know. Before we get to the first thoughts, I'll, I'll let you do the first thoughts. Uh, Brad Pitt, who obviously everybody that's alive and is sentient and has seen any, you, you know who Brad Pitt is, and he plays Jerry Lane, former UN operative. But there are actually two films that Brad Pitt has made that I think would fit in the genre category. Uh, you want to take a guess? 12 Monkeys. Yeah. 12 Monkeys, absolutely. Well, he was in, I mean, he was good in World War Z, but he was yeah. awesome in 12 Monkeys. Yeah, well, I'm counting World War Z as his third. Okay, yeah, 12 Monkeys, 1995. If you're into time travel, absolutely see it. And, and, yeah. uh, and it's a Terry Gilliam movie, too. So yeah. if you're into Monty Python, you should check it out as well. Right. Now, the other was a year before, 1994, Interview with the Vampire. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. So, well, because I probably I never saw it. Never really. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I remember when it came out because it was that was obviously Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise uh, in the movie that you know that's it was massive. But uh, I, th- I think it was what, what year did that come out? Ninety four. Oh, ninety four. Hmm. Yep. I was just I don't know too busy having fun and a life. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> you know, I liked it. And it was certainly before the big vampire craze had had taken over. Yeah, I, it was like a pre-vampire because that was like the Anne Rice. So that's like people. Well, I guess they're, they're kind of reading about vampires now with the whole. Uh, though I don't know if the what, what is that? Oh my god, I can't believe Twilight. The Twilight, yeah, the Twilight <laughs> thing. I think you did that on purpose. But uh, <laughs> but um, now it seems like it's more focused on like television than movies though. I know obviously, you know, Twilight, their books clearly, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think it's really translated into more like that where back then it was this whole Anne Rice as an author and, and they had the one movie interview with a vampire. And I, I seem to recall that there was, pl- there were, there were plans for more of Anne Rice's books to be made into movies, but I don't know. Did, yeah. did, did the vampire not do well? I don't know to tell you the truth. I can't really remember. Yeah. I just, I don't know. For some vague recollection I had that there was supposed to be more, but, uh, you know, obviously there weren't. But no, I I never went and saw that one. So, okay. All right. Well, the other, you know, his uh, wife in the movie, Karen Lane, the character played by somebody near and dear to my heart, Mireille Enos, who was, you know, one of the detectives in The Killing. 
And okay, I was, you didn't well, really watch the killing. I right? haven't seen the killing, yeah. so that's why I, I wasn't sure how she was near and dear to your heart. Right. Well, you know that Michael and I did the podcast right. for TV Talk, the killing over the summer, and apparently there's not going to be a season four, at least at this point. Although they told us there wasn't going to be a season three either. But right, was there also not supposed to be a season two? I think. Did well, get... no, no, they still hadn't solved the crime. So, oh, okay. you know, right, it was right. like, I, I thought there was something goofy. Right. A bit the initial after season one. Right, the season one ended. And they didn't solve the crime and it left a lot of viewers pretty pissed off. Yeah. And season two, they eventually solved it. And they, you know, certainly said that for season three, it's going to be self-contained unit. will let you know who did it at the end. And that was the plan for season four, but we didn't get a season four. Now uh, you and I were talking about, and I, and again, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce Daniela Curtis, who played Sagan the Israeli soldier and you know she's an Israeli actress so we really haven't seen her in anything mainstream until World War Z no but she kind of looked like who is the remember Tank Girl oh yeah sure yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember the, the actress's name I was so, going to say Katy Perry but it's not no, Katy I think Perry Laurie something uh, Laurie Petty yeah, yeah Laurie Petty and she was you know she was you know there was a, a a shooting star man like she had a couple like big movies League of Their Own and everything. Yeah. She was like a pretty big star for a couple of years and then bam. Yeah. Just the uh, fickle nature of Hollywood, man. I tell you. Now, the the only other actor that I wanted to mention, and you may have heard of him, Peter Capaldi. Um, I uh, I seem to have heard of that guy. Now, Recently, he was in the news about now, something. Now, is there but, a better irony? Uh, obviously, we joke. Is there a better irony that Peter Capaldi played one of the WHO doctors, World Health yeah, Organization right. doctors? I think he that probably would make him Doctor Who. Yeah, he was right. he was a doctor at the Who, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I wonder if he if he made that you know used that in his like resume when he gave it to uh, Stephen Moffat. He's yeah. like, I already played a doctor, and it was at the Who. So, uh, so all right. Anyway, first thoughts. Well, I don't really remember him because I was just an infant. My first thought, as I told you, uh, you know, went right after I saw this the first time, is that I really really liked this movie. Um, but also one of the first things I, I think I said to you then was that I'm not quite sure it's a zombie movie, at least not a traditional zombie movie. So I made a T chart. Okay. <laughs> All right. So World War Z versus the traditional zombie, um, standards. Okay. Okay. Now in your traditional zombie movie, survival is the goal. There's no, you know, there's there's no idea of like a cure or anything like that. Simply surviving. That's it. Now in World War Z, the goal is to not find a cure per se, but well, it's actually yeah, kind of trying to find a cure, trying to find how this started, and therefore you know try to find a way to combat it. Right in a traditional zombie movie, you hunker down, you find a place where you can defend yourself. You build up your defenses and you stay put. Whereas in World War Z, he's flying all over the country in airplanes. That's unheard of to have airplanes. Oh, Israel tried movie. to uh, hunker down and right. Oh, it doesn't work. No, <laughs> it never works. But that's what you do in a zombie movie. In traditional zombie movie, you, you hunker down. All right. In a zombie movie, you have started with a group, and the group is killed off one at a time, basically. 
sometimes two people go at the same time and they right. hold hands and have a meaningful look and then they, you know, take on the zombies. And there's always somebody that doesn't listen to reason, you know. That, right, that, right. Yeah, from, there's there's a million stereotypical character types in there as to... Stay put and you'll die. Exactly. Well, movimiento es vida, right? Right. Um, in this one, there's not even really a group. There's kind of a group of like the Navy SEALs and the doctor that go to Korea, but... After, I mean, the doctor is killed about uh, 30 seconds after arriving at Korea, and then the rest of the SEAL team is killed, you know, the next day or that right. night, you know, when he goes to leave. So, um, so there, there, there really isn't that kind of, we don't get that character development of the group. It's really just uh, Brad Pitt or, or Jerry and then Segan uh, later. And, and, you know, so that is kind of the group. And that's the one place, you, always, you know, like where he, picks up a straggler survivor and they team up and help each other out. That is similar to the traditional zombie thing. Um, Finally, in your traditional zombie film, the hero is alone. The hero has, his family's died or something, you know, he's, he or she is, is on his or her own. Uh, But in world war Z, he's got a family. Okay. And none of them die. All right. So, yeah, obviously the one way that it is, and I guess it's not actually zombies per se, because once again, like 28 Days Later, we talked about whether 28 Days Later was actually a zombie movie, because in the zombie movie, the characters die and then come back to life, whereas in World War Z, they're bitten, and then they just, then they turn into like freaky type, you know, whatever they are. All right, so all of that's true, I'm sure. Uh, but I still think there are enough zombie elements that you got to call it a zombie film. I mean, now, I think it's one an of my... outlier. Well, well okay. Um, Purists would disagree. All right. Now, <laughs> I mean, my first reaction was that the first 15 minutes of this film is about as intense as any film I've ever seen. Well, after the whole family scene, cooking pancakes and everything, like... Well, but I really liked the pacing of this film. I mean, you know, we talked about how it really breaks down into five parts, but, I mean, I really liked that, you know, the whole setting of the... or setting up of the idyllic family, and, you know, we get right away the sense that he didn't... he wasn't always a stay-at-home dad, and that he had some other job that, that... apparently required you know some element of danger and that he probably didn't leave it willingly well he it appears he left it willingly uh well yeah willingly you know at the the, the, at his wife's insistence more than more than likely because she she even even later you you know what that job did to you right she tells him at least once right but his first reaction on the aircraft carrier is i can't go well, right. There's no way. I, you know, I don't. I'm not going to do it. I don't do this anymore. That's not me anymore. So I, I think, yeah, part of it you say it's, it's his wife's fault, but I think part of it is also him realizing that I don't. I don't like this. I don't like risking my life. But I wonder. See, time. I don't want to say it's his wife's fault, and, and I don't. You know that that. But that I think that perhaps he's considering the impact it's going to have on his wife and his family. And that while, see, I'm not, I'm not sold on the, I mean, to me, he jumps back into it so easily and he's so good at it. Well, I think he's, he's coerced into it. You know, they tell him if, if you don't do this, you're off the boat. Oh, I understand that. Right. But, but I mean, once he gets into it, 
right? I know he, he, they tell him, right, that you look around. Everybody on this ship has a function. And if you don't have a function, you're on the first helicopter to Philadelphia. Right. But I'm just saying once – Or Nova Scotia, is it? Right, once he agrees to do it, that he just see, you know, he's just so good. Yeah. And, and it's like who, when you realize you're really good at something, wants to give it up? So I mean that would be my argument. So so you know, but but either that's even neither here nor there. Um, you know, in that opening sequence, you know, because and they didn't spend an inordinate amount of time developing the whole family chemistry. No, thing. they really did. And the, just the first time I saw it, I, I was concerned mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, because I I really I don't I don't dislike it when movies start off kind of slow if it's that type of movie but this is world war z right right this is supposed to be a zombie movie and the first scene is with a guy with his family the first time i saw this i was a little concerned but you are right because soon they're in the car and once they're in the car right. then crazy stuff starts right happening. but even before the car you, you start hearing the little snippets from the tv sure and just the the just the editing and the pacing and you know at first they're just little sound bites and there's nothing that seems to bring up alarm and then slowly you you start hearing thing words like you know virus and and then you start seeing images of people fleeing and yeah and it's just like the beginning of 28 days later isn't it where it has just kind of like the except you know 20 days later is just kind of showing different images of violence um this kind of juxtaposes the news reports of the apparently spreading quote-unquote virus and then with you know scenes of frivolous pop culture of american life you know like a like talk shows and cooking shows was that wendy williams i I don't know yeah right i don't know um so but i like that yeah that was definitely a really good uh opening sequence yeah and then you know when when traffic stops and uh they're sitting there in their vehicle and that motorcycle flies down and rips off the the rear view of uh, the side mirror it's like wow just yeah. really intense yeah. well when the cops are all freaking out. out of the town like, you should probably be right behind them yeah and and again just how he just transitions so naturally i mean he sees that truck that just is just going down the street and just ramming everything out of its way. And he realizes immediately that's our way out. He gets behind it just like a lineman in fo- or running back in football following his lineman. Yep. Yep. That was so. a good call. But that's also, if you've ever been to Philadelphia, um, that's like kind of how they drive there anyway. So, okay. <laughs> I think it's just normal Philadelphia reaction to driving. Hey, look, a hole. Let's go. All right. Now, one of the we never really find out the cause. I mean, you know, and again, we get these little snippets that uh, initially they're referring to it as a rabies outbreak. So that now, again, we don't know, you know, the first the first snippets we hear. I mean, who knows? I mean, certainly we know that the media is not always accurate. Sure. And as Brad Pitt discovers that there's no way to find out the origin of this at all. And so. It's you know it's it's an outbreak you know it's it's a these things happen and uh, um, the doctor had kind of the best perspective on it uh, I think as far as you know the nature of of this disease. Doctor Who, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know what the, the guy who gets killed. Uh, oh, that doctor. Korea. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name. Yeah, was, I don't either. It wasn't actually taking notes, this and, and he wasn't around long enough to uh, warrant that. But right at first, there's like one scene there where I thought he was. Uh, he looked like Junior, the kid who plays Junior on Under the Dome. 
um, I say kid and he's probably like, you know, 25 years old, but, um, uh, he's obviously not, but there's just like one time when they're in the plane where he like looks at Brad Pitt's certain way. I'm like, oh man, he looks like, totally looks like junior there, but it's not. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, getting back to the rabies thing, then don't they show us images of animals, you know, that, that are really exhibiting violent, even, even seemingly more violent than what we would think is natural. I mean, we all know that, you know, in the wild, certain animals are going to hunt other animals, but it just seemed they were showing images like really snarling so that I guess it led me to think that, okay, perhaps this virus originated, you know, in the animal kingdom and then an animal bit a human. And then of course, here we are. But I I think as, as it is, the origin of the disease becomes inconsequential. Right. right. And what, it turns into trying to find the origin of it to discovering how to combat it, I guess. Right. Well, the only thing about not finding out the origin is that you're not really stopping it. You're just slowing it. Exactly. Okay. Now, were these zombies faster than zombies? Oh, in- hell yeah. Okay. I mean, those- yeah, they were like pouncing zombies. Like they move, like I wrote down, they're, like, they're kind of like the 28 days later running zombies, but they've moved beyond the running zombies. Oh, I was going to say to pouncing zombies they're like animalistic they go like on all fours right a lot of times right um you know just that scene where they in newark where the the helicopter is taking off and the zombies are like jumping after it even as it pulls away from the roof they're still jumping after the helicopter and that's just yeah Wow. And yeah. one even got the... Uh, right, right, one one call. Well, I think I described the 28 Days Later zombies as being Ray Rice quick. I mean, these guys were like Usain Bolt quick. I mean, yeah. Is that, yeah. I don't know if that's how you say his first name or not, uh, but, you know, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 okay. the, uh, the, the, the world-class the, the sprinter, sprinter yeah. right, who's, yeah. who's like probably the fastest been, prob- Earth, right? Probably been stripped of, I mean, it seems like they all get caught at some point. But anyway, we digress. Think- um, we talk about certain tropes. You know, I like the fact that they were setting up, you know, this family and you know, and all of that. And then the the family we're following, dad just happens to have all of this training so that now I guess you could argue that that's the story they're telling. Right. As opposed to the family whose apartment they're invited into, who is just, just a regular, just a regular and, family. And that's where um, Brad Pitt as the lead role, I think at first gets in the way. Okay. Because because he's Brad Pitt. Exactly. And so I have a hard time seeing him as a normal guy. Right. As just regular dad. It's like it's Brad Pitt. He's clearly not a regular So it, like that's that's that superstar quality, that rock star quality about Brad Pitt. Um unfortunately, you know, kind of I think gets in the way sometimes of, of, you know, he's, it's almost like he has to take roles that are like outland. I don't know if outlandish is the word, but I I I just can't put my finger. But I just remember watching thinking that just like, you know, like I'm not really buying it at first as Brad Pitt as a regular dude. And, you know, I read so much about him in the media that I, I guess on the one, if you ask me, do I like Brad Pitt? My first reaction would be no. And then I think like, he was awesome in Moneyball. Yeah, he's I mean, a, I like that a lot. You know, he's a like, fantastic actor. He yeah. really, really is. And listen, I'm a guy, but he's gorgeous. All right, he's the type of dude guys look at and said, "I wish I looked like that dude." Okay, because he's like 
you know, he's like got these godlike good looks. Yeah. Um, he's and, and he, but he's which most you would resent if he weren't such a good actor. And right. He really is. And then he takes roles like, uh, um, like Twelve Monkeys, and actually, and quite honestly, this role he does not look pretty in this role at all. You right. know, no, he's no got, that was pretty early in his career. Well, Twelve Monkeys, yeah, but still, he yeah. like, but he takes roles that he doesn't take roles that make him look pretty. All the time, true. Like sometimes he does, but like for you know for um, for World War Z, you know yeah, he's, he he looks. There's times he looks downright old. Yeah, you know. Uh, but he's just a, a just a superb. And you know what? Actually, my favorite movie of Brad Pitt, and you might laugh at this one, is A River Runs Through It. Oh no, that was a great film. I, uh, and I and I like him in that movie. And uh, yeah, I just yeah, I know. So I just, he, was that the one? Aiden Quinn. Aiden Quinn is was it. his brother. Uh no. Oh wait wait wait. I'm sorry. Well, no no no. You're thinking of uh the the World War yeah one thing. Right. Um, I can't remember what that one was called. I did see a river run th- runs through it. Yeah, though. it's the 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 brothers and their their Tom Skerritt is their father. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. He's the the uh, preacher and it's right. in Montana and they go fly fishing all the time and everything. Right. And it's basically a uh, it's a re- actually the book is really good too. But it's you know kind of like a. Uh, uh, an advertisement for the state of Montana tourism business, I yeah. think. <laughs> but uh, and they did a, a good job at that. Now, now you know we're talking about standard zombie film, and and I mean certainly one thing that I hadn't seen before was the whole bashing of the head into the windshield or bashing of the head into right whatever. Well, that, that's why I think they've even taken it a step above Twenty Eight Days Later, where these. Zombies, they're not really zombies, but these yeah, walk so what, what undead. Was, okay, undead, I think would be the, the more uh, the politically correct term they call it. Well, then that begs the question what is a zombie? Yeah, well, a traditional zombie is someone who has died, died, okay, and and comes back to life, okay. Whereas, sort of now, like Aaron are, and so Revolution. are these, are these, it, it's not clear, like in 28 Days Later. They didn't die. They were infected and they lost their minds. So, oh, and that okay. seems like the same thing here. I don't know if the people are actually dying. Now, they, people do like twitch violently. So, there you might like, and, and then oh, that's the, a good the Walking point. Dead, people have to die, die before they, they change. Uh, it, it never becomes clear because the people change so quickly. What's the time period roughly in Walking Dead between when they die? Uh, almost pretty much right after they they die, the corpse is like still for a few moments, and then they wake back up as as a, as a zombie, as the Zed word. Other just awesome visual scenes, and there were there were a lot of, and you'd think yeah. for visually a fan for uh, one hundred ninety yeah. million dollars, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but a lot be. of right. I mean the the scenes of people fleeing the city, and we talked about that I think with twenty eight days later about how they filmed. Those in, in that case, it wasn't the people fleeing; it was the it was the absence of people from the cities, but just really powerful scenes. And then a lot of the aerial shots that we got were just really, really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, well, I'll let you. Keep no, going. no, I was You're just, probably going to bring up like the 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 main, like the biggest. No, the, go the, ahead. The most visually stunning scene is obviously the the wall of Jerusalem and, yeah. and the. As they the, start good. the undead climbing over each other to get to the top of it, that's just wow. Yeah, and do you remember what precipitated that scene? Because everything was fine. 
Well, it was the the Palestinian Israeli conflict uh, led to the destruction of Jerusalem, apparently. Right. Because they couldn't stop singing. Right. Shut up. Well, okay. Zombies are attracted <laughs> to sound. Who doesn't know that? Well, they might not know that. Well, then yeah. somebody should be telling them. Now, yeah. you know what? Br- bringing that up, though, do, don't we learn that the Israelis kind of knew yes. what was going on well, and, and chose not to tell anybody else? Well, no one would believe them, right? The, the guy just said, like, that we're, all, we're kind of on high alert all the time now. Right. So whenever, you know, if, if something outlandish comes down the pipe, um, that, you know, it's like that, that t- I wasn't sure what they meant by, like, that 10th guy. Like, if nine people agree, but the one does, yeah, doesn't right. agree, it's like... Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, so, but just basically the idea that Israel is like super vigilant. And so they suspected and they were able to confirm that there was this thing happening. Uh, but why? And then they, they lickety split built that big wall around the city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, who knows? But see, all right, here's my problem with that. First of all, I didn't like the idea they show like the obviously Arab or Palestinian woman with the microphone. So it's almost like they're blaming the Arabs for this. Like how often do uh, is that is the new bad guys post 9/11 are the Arabs. Everything bad is by the fault of the Arabs. Okay. And then watch it this time realize okay so there's Jewish people who then start singing back and they're kind right. of like arguing trying to outdo each other. So it's really like the two groups. But I'm like uh, you know that's like yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems that they put undue blame upon the the Arab woman. Yeah, and it's it's kind of bad that we're like looking for not not that we're looking for political commentary in in a zombie film yeah. or an undead film or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you can't. You really. I mean, that was certainly my first thought as I saw it, and then. Well, and then I go beyond saying, okay, so there's people singing. It's a freaking city. Like, how much noise is being made in that city on a daily basis that a couple, a group of people, two groups of people singing all of a sudden spurs the zombies to go nuts? Like, yeah. really? Well, really, Dave? You, yeah, I know, I know. I guess it, yeah. so at first like, I thought, well, if they hadn't used the PA system, yeah, they'd have left the true. microphones. But, but now, no, why no. do they even have it? Why? Why is there a microphone that they're passing around in the first place? Yeah, like well, trying to be quiet again. You know, back to inconsistencies, and I guess you know, with any film, I guess you could spend an hour talking about inconsistencies. But you know, again, from what we know of the Israelis, you mentioned just being hyper vigilant, and that's in real life as well. Um, you'd almost think that there would be soldiers or somebody that would tell them, "Stop! You're too loud." Yeah, you want to whisper to each other <laughs> yeah that should be like like the rule number one like as you enter the gate like be very very yeah, quiet yeah. but i still go back to the fact that it is a city and probably a lot of people in there and quite noisy and so like why is it all of a sudden now except for the fact that brad pitt is like this harbinger of doom throughout with like wherever he goes just everyone dies wherever he goes you know before we get too far away there was a couple of things that struck me and, you know, we, we talked real quickly. Uh, part one is pretty much the escape of the city, which is Philadelphia. We get the helicopter extraction. They're aboard the USS Argus. And, you know, we learned that it's pretty much if you're not doing something for us, then you're not going to stay. And, you know, obviously they're setting up the 
task of finding the origin so that they can create a vaccine. Then part two, we see, you know, they're sent, the team sent into the field to find the origin. They're sent to Korea first. And obviously, as soon as they get there, as soon as they deplane the scientist that's supposed to find out all of this stuff, so he just falls and yeah, dies, right? right? Well, Brad Pitt told him to keep his finger off the trigger. Right. And he didn't listen. Did he shoot himself? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he, he started running back up into the plane. He slipped, fell, uh, his gun went off, and he shot himself. Uh, okay. I guess I didn't hear the gun going off. I thought, did he just like hit his head and die? So, no, no, no. Right. He, he, so then he, they realize Korea is a dead end. So then part three is, is not going before to- that. We watched the guy pull a tooth out of his own head, which was, oh, that was special. Good point. Uh, then they go to Israel. Yes. And, you know, that's where he meets up with Sagan. And, and, you know, certainly we've been talking about Israel. Then part four, they realize they need to get to the World Health Organization research facility in Wales. Right. Right. Cardiff. And then part five, of course, the return home. No, not Cardiff. Wait, yes, Cardiff. Cardiff. Yes. Now, did you? Um, well, Cardiff is in Wales. Yes. Right? Okay. Now, I'm did, trying to think whether it was actually Cardiff or if I just inserted that. Well, but it was definitely Wales. Yeah. Well, you know what else is in Cardiff, right? Uh, I believe Torchwood. Torchwood. It used to be. And it's just been destroyed, though. Right, right. But at this point, well, maybe. I just was waiting for Torchwood to uh, yeah, come that to would the be rescue awesome here. Awesome if, uh, if Jack Harkness all of a sudden little, dropped in and said, hey, I'll help you. Little cross they, can't, pro- they can't kill me. Right, a little cross promotion. What um, would happen to Jack Harkness if he were bitten? Because they don't well, he die. Can't, he can't die. Right, but would he still would he turn into one of the undead creatures? That's a good question. Because they're not, they don't die, right? I don't think that'd they be die. a good topic. We could do a whole show on that. All right. Anyway, <laughs> the 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 scene that I wanted to just just mention is that you know we've got all of this chaos going on, and you know the first thing we see, and this is still while they're in Philadelphia, and and they realize they got to get out of town, but the child's having an asthma attack, so they got to go into the the store, and they go back to the pharmacy area, and he's confronted by I, I don't know if this guy was a junkie or what the deal was, he's got a gun. Yeah, and it, look, it looks like he shot the pharmacist. Right. Looks like he shot the pharmacist. And then when Brad Pitt tells him what he needs, you know, he puts the gun down, he knows right where to go to get it. He gives it to him, and then he goes in another drawer and he pulls out something else. He says, you know, this really worked wonders for my kid. And, you know, just the, the, with all the chaos going on, with all the inhumanity to other men, here's some humanity. Right. You know, and here's a guy that, like you said, probably killed the pharmacist, and yet he's, you know, now going to get back to that same level as one father to. Sure, to another, I, I would say father. clearly someone who who worked there, right? Because he knew Brad Pitt told him what he needed, and the guy went right to where it was. So right. obviously he works there. I imagine maybe the pharmacist pissed him off. Yeah, <laughs> he's a jerk as a boss, and so he's like, "All right, now's my chance to." to yeah. Right, no. but I imagine going back looking for medicine for his child. The pharmacist confronts him, says, no, you can't take it, and he shoots him. Yeah. yeah. So now the other one was when they're, they flee into that one apartment building, you know, when they eventually go up to the roof, and, and that family just welcomes them in right away, and you know, we've got the language barrier, although the, the boy speaks English, yes. obviously fluently, and can, and can translate. But the first thing this family does is, you know, are you hungry? And we all know, and I'm sure they knew, that food's going to run out here pretty soon, yet they're willing to help this family that they don't know from anybody. Sure. And then, you know, I mean, well, that was like the father says, right? Because uh, the, was it the father or the mother? The father says, I think he's right. We should go 
with him. Oh, I can't remember which one wants to stay and which one wants to go. Yeah, I think the wife wants to go. I All think right, the maybe wife- the wife wants to go, and the, and the, the the dude says we should stay. Right. Um, and I think she points out. She says, you know, the food won't last forever. Right. You know, we can't stay here. And, and Brad Pitt says, you know, movimiento is vida. You know, movement's life. You got to keep moving. If right. you if you stay in one place, you're 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 dead. And right. uh, and we're never. It's never clear exactly. But obviously, the zombies get into their apartment, and the son, I forget what his name is, uh, Tommy. Tommy, I think. Right. I think. Gets away, and then you know, hooks up with Brad Pitt and his family, and and you know, the the five he meets up with Brad Pitt, meets up with him, <laughs> and the five of them. Now we also find out that you know, obviously, it's it's virtually every major city. The president's dead. Four of the six Joint Chiefs are dead. The vice president's missing. So there's obviously no central government or, or what what government there is is probably in chaos right. on itself. So probably shut down. It's probably shut down, and we yeah, <laughs> um, and we assume the military's in control. And in this kind of situation, that's what makes sense, right? Well, yeah, you know, and the that family scene, the girl asked him what martial law is, right? Yeah. You know, we get to the you know we go through and we get to the World Health Organization facility, and that's pretty much where they are able to come up with a, not really a cure, but kind of an approach, right? Sure. Uh, a way to, as, as he refers to as camouflage. Right. You know, so that, because he's noticed uh, a couple times during his travels that there were people that the undead passed by. Right. And so, and, and you see in uh, Jerusalem, the kid had no hair. And so, right. and then in, um, well, the first scene was that guy was sitting also, on the ground drink, drinking right, like Philly, out of a paper back bag. In, not in Philly, in Newark, right? Yeah. Uh, there was a guy in, in Newark who was, you know, out on the street, uh, apparently a homeless person, and and the you know the undead go right by him. So, and there was oh, and then the guy in Korea, the the one soldier who had whose like foot was bothering him or something. I, I wasn't sure what his ailment, yeah, was. I don't remember, but he, you know, there's something wrong with him that he was in the room. When the doctor changed and everyone else got turned, but they left him completely alone, and and the other soldiers chalked up to his being very lucky. <laughs> like, uh, there's probably more to it than that. You should probably investigate why they, you know, why is Brad Pitt the only one who puts two and two together that there's something about this guy that the, you know, he wasn't attacked. Right. But so, you know, so unless I miss something, so the idea then is to, you know, that the zombies pass by somebody that's very sick or near death or whatever. So the idea is you inoculate yourself with the worst virus we can find. Right. Well, not the worst because you want to like, not die from it <laughs> because there's that, that threat. Like when Brad Pitt injects himself, right. they say, oh, if he picks something from that left drawer, he's dead anyway. Oh, oh, because they lose communication, right, with him. Well, he would, if he picks a, a disease that he can't recover. Like he, I don't know what disease he injects into himself, but there's like diseases that like, I mean, they have like the worst there, but there's some that I guess that are curable and some that are not. And I guess in the left-hand drawer are the incurable diseases. So if he injects himself with one of those, he's, he's dead and won't recover. But if he injects himself with one, he'll just be, yeah, exactly. Uh, He'll just be uh, kind of, he'll be very sick, but uh, able to recover from, and you see them just inject right afterwards. They inject him with something that apparently all is well. Okay. So I'm not sure. I mean, because now we're, you know, we're basically at the end of the film now. And, and I guess I'm not sure what to think of this because they don't find a cure. 
it's like you said, you, and they use the word camouflage as well. So we're basically just delaying the inevitable. I mean, are we to, are we led to believe that every person afflicted was contained? I mean, are they? Well, see, that's the thing. Okay, so here we go. In The Walking Dead, for example, everyone is has the disease in them. Whether okay. you have turned or not, there's something that's inside of you that the minute you die, you turn to a zombie. Okay. So, um, or a walker. Everyone is infected already. So, as far as cure, they're really not even thinking cure. They're, they're just, you know, Walking Dead is total zombie, traditional zombie survival mode, hunker down mode, all that stuff I okay. talked about earlier. In this, I mean, we're not sure. We're not mm-hmm. sure if, if it's something that is you know, is a disease that's spreading or, or, or some, apparently no, not everybody has it because that's why the disease doesn't go to people who are already sick, right? Cause okay. it's looking for new hosts. Um, so the idea is now we see at the end of the movie that, that people can now fight back that they can, because the zombies won't attack the people who have been inoculated. So, you know, people can fight back. They won't get bitten. They can kill the zombies and not risk being bitten themselves. Okay. So, the idea is that you can kill all those infected now, but will that, you're right though, it, will that kill And then the we don't know, like, we don't know whether these people ever died and right. came back. Right. So then it be, I guess it becomes a question, do we try to cure them? So now- Which is where, uh, in the flesh, as, you know, we talked about the, uh, which the, maybe we can talk about sometime. No, we did. We did. The, the show, the TV show. Right. Yeah. You know, that That's the thing, you know, how to- deal with the recently uh, undead as they now return. Now that the apocalypse is done, these people are returning to society. Uh, How do we deal with their re-entering society? Including the crimes they committed while undead. Right. So, so, you know, again, not having read the book, I don't know if that's something that perhaps got explored. I hate to be cynical, but, you know, perhaps that leaves the door open for a part two. I I think the very clearly... This movie ends with a sequel in mind, yeah. Because he even says, right, this is just the beginning, yeah. So uh, the beginning of oh, World War Z Part Two, <laughs> the beginning of. So uh, yeah, you're right. It is a cynical thought, but I completely agree that they're they're totally setting this up for a yeah. a sequel, and they don't even need necessarily Brad Pitt for the sequel, right? Yeah. Because it could be someone else fighting the infection somewhere else. Yeah. But, you know, having said all that, I really liked the movie. I mean, as action movies go, it was great. You know, we've talked about, you know, the acting and, and you know, obviously it was very centered around Brad Pitt. You know, Mirai Enos was certainly in it a lot. And I think she's a great actress. I mean, no, she did a fantastic job. She was, you know, really good. Of And the two of them, the chemistry as mom and dad was really just some of the looks like in, in the car when, when they realized that they don't have the backup inhaler. And she just gives them that little, you know, like doesn't want to say no in front of the kid. And then when when they're on the ship and she's like, can you go talk somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. Very believable, the yeah. relationship between those two. And uh, and just like you said, how much of it's communi- communicated non-verbally. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those scenes where he's out there and she's not like the, the one where she's just kind of um, – I, I sitting like she's I think she's on the ground she's kind of got the phone in her hand she's always got the phone right. with her it's like this talisman for her of of hope uh, always carrying this phone around um, though have we all had that moment 
where we have the cell phone on and the wife calls at the most inopportune time. You're just like, why? <laughs> it's yeah. Like, like, dude, you're you're trying to sneak through the zombies. Turn off your freaking cell phone, man. It's like, yeah. Come on, that yeah. should be like they say it. The movies. Why don't they say it? Like, why isn't like James Badge Dale like turn around to the rest and say, okay, remember, be quiet, kill all the zombies, uh, move quickly, and turn your cell phones off. Yes. Your cell phones and pagers turned down. Yep. So no one wears pagers anymore. No. But uh, anything else? Um, well, I, I just mentioned uh, the shout out to the James Badge Dale because I really like him as an actor. Uh, I just found out, looking back, that he was in the uh, Lord of the Flies, which you said you hadn't seen. I hadn't seen the new one. The no. 1990 American version. I saw it when I was in college. And, uh, well, yeah, the, those... the, the new one's made in 1990? Yeah, the old one made, I guess, in the 50s. <laughs> well, the old, yeah, because the old one was like Early the 60s, 60s, but it was in black and white. And right. It was the kind of low-budget British operation. But yeah, he's really good. He was uh, most recently he was uh, had a big star turn in the Pacific a couple years ago for HBO, and then was just in uh, Iron Man three. He was uh, a bad guy in that, so he, he was great. But I also like that the notes that scene where Brad Pitt cuts off uh, Sagan's hand uh, right after she's bitten. He he slices her hand off. I don't know if I'm trying to do my like chronological kind of thinking here whether. In The Walking Dead, they had to do the same thing to Herschel. Herschel gets bit bitten on the leg, and so they have to cut off his leg uh, right above the bite, and that saves him. Okay, and so, then Brad Pitt does it not knowing even whether it's going to work or not. Yeah, and the same thing in The Walking Dead. They don't, they're don't. they not sure if it's going to work. They, they do it, and, and it does work and everything. So, uh, so yeah, uh, just a helpful hints for surviving that zombie apocalypse. If uh, you know, get bitten on the, the extreme parts of your... Uh, arms and legs and and have someone cut it off and you'll be all right sounds good helpful hints um all right um you know a couple of things that we usually talk about at the beginning of the show but uh, just for a couple minutes arrow and revolution are just i mean they're off the charts off the charts good yeah i think revolution i I like season two so much better than season one yeah you know like I, i don't know what it was about season one as i said before i liked it didn't love it, but now I think I'm kind of starting to really. And I, but really I guess, love and it. I guess you could argue that, and I agree with you. But I guess you could argue that if we hadn't had what we saw in season one, then you know they wouldn't no, be able I, to do the I, things. I completely right. agree. I completely agree with you. Uh, season one is kind of like a setup season, and so like the really good stuff starts now. Right. So uh, and then Arrow, it's like, and you know, we told the listeners before. I'm always a day day or two behind on on the show, so I just saw Arrow last night and. I'm just again. I'm just blown away. I mean, the the acting is so good in that show, and and uh, I'm just you know, yeah. It's it's a very tight show. Uh, the acting is outstanding. The writing is top notch. Uh, the visual effects are great. The fight scenes are brilliant. Uh, there's just yeah. there's nothing not to like about Arrow. It's just a fantastic show. Yeah. Um, Shield. I'm still. You know, really digging, and and I really like the the balance. I mean, it's obviously Arrow is dark, and and I love that about it. And Shield, I mean, it's certainly not dark, but and it certainly has humor. But it's just the balance they've been creating is just just perfect. I mean, the, you know, we've talked about again the characters there that we really like. Oh, but back to Arrow for a second, Summer Glau. So yeah. what, are you th- what are you thinking? I mean, I like her character. Right. Um, 
I like her acting. Do we need more of her? Well, of, of course. Okay. <laughs> I was. I thought she was going to end up being the 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 new you know rogue element. Okay, uh, that is. I'm sure is a DC yeah. hero. I, like. Black Canary, I'm thinking, can I remember? I don't know if that's her or not, but I'm sure, you know, it's someone actually in the, the Green Arrow universe and people who read the comic books now are all groaning and holding their heads and thinking what an idiot I am. I, I am an idiot. I apologize for not being more familiar. As I said, my familiar Green Arrow begins and ends with Super Friends from when I was a kid. But, uh, yeah, I thought she was going to be like, you know, the, the new, actually, but, and she's not. So that was kind of a letdown. Uh, but, uh, obviously she's great wherever she is and it's weird seeing her as just kind of being like a straight up kind of bad guy yeah and and yeah. you wonder and again spoilers you know the the the, the alderman who well of course then if you look at the previews for the next episode i was what i was going to say I, is the I alderman don't, so don't now seems he, he seems to be like a good guy and like he and uh oliver are going to get along but you know now we're not sure well i'm sure they'll still get along publicly but you know he's like he's like this underground I don't even know what to yeah, describe. I mean, you know, uh, you know. Well, it, it's all I think ties in with the the island, though, doesn't right, it? Yeah, you know, it all yeah. ties back to what what's going on there. And they mentioned Raz Al Ghul, uh, which yeah. at the end of not this last episode, but the one before that, who was the 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 head of the League of Shadows in the Batman uh, universe, and uh, you know, the, all these ninja guys who try to. Um, uh, improve the world by destroying uh, decadent cities and stuff like that. Okay. So, uh, so to see if, uh, if if is this guy like Razal Ghul? Like I don't know. You know yeah. It's just a well, a, and, a and, lot the, and with Summer Glau's character, I mean, obviously it's a big struggle for Queen Consolidated, and and you wonder whether something's going to draw them together and unite them, or whether it's something. And I could see either happening, and I could see either being really cool, but. Like you said, it all comes back to the island. It, yeah, it we does. have to go back. <laughs> they did go back, and then they came back again. So, so apparently, the island's not as tough to get to as, as long thought. as they don't meet up at a church at the end. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah, that, we'll that, that be good. Happen. So, all right, anything so, else? Well, there, there are a couple of things. Uh, just looking at my note, there is a couple of things. Now, we did we we talked a little bit about Pierre Capaldi. I'm not going to get into that. Just yeah. but uh, just to say this, um, I'm sure Stephen Moffat clearly knows what he's doing. He doesn't need me to tell him his job because he's doing been doing swimmingly at it for a long time now. Okay. Um, but just I, you know, like I'm having trouble seeing Pierre Capaldi as like an action type guy. Like everything I've seen him in, yeah. not I wouldn't say they've been passive, but not like the kind of active role that we see the doctor being. Now that being said, his doctor is going to be different, right? And that's the thing: you regenerate the doctor is different. Yeah. So. So I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting to see what his doctor's like because obviously it's going to be vastly different than the you know Matt Smith and and David Tennant's version of the doctor. Uh, secondly, apparently your seatbelt does save you on the airplane. <laughs> the big airplane crash and what oh. they do? They strap themselves in and they survive the airplane yes. crash. Yes, they did. They're like hey, you right. know, like yeah, you know, when you, you never believe it, yeah, you know, but when they tell you to put your seatbelt on the plane, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> right last but not least it appears that pepsi is the official sponsor of the zombie apocalypse well and i'm a coke guy so that's right but remember like in yeah. in world war z where he uh purposely has all the pepsi cans fall on the floor so that yes. to see if the zombies are right. Right. 
Well, if you also remember 28 Days Later, oh. like he's collecting, like he's drinking Pepsi like the whole movie. Right. So, you know, apparently uh, uh, one thing that will survive zombie apocalypse will be Pepsi products. Uh, Sorry, Coke drinkers. I, I like Coke Zero myself. Yeah. So, uh, so. I'm, I'll be bumming right there with the rest of you. So. Zero doesn't have any caffeine, does it? It does. Oh, yeah. it does. Okay. That's well, half the, the point. What's the zero? No calories. Oh. Hmm. Okay. It's really good. It's probably awful for you. Coke? It's probably like it's it's not Diet Coke. It's Coke Zero. I don't know what the difference, but it, it tastes better than Diet Coke. Okay, all right. I usually just have have a couple belts when I get up first thing in the morning before I go to the tea. But yeah, that's another story. Um, and then just one last thing with with the the Doctor Who, and we won't go into it now. But obviously, if you are a fan of the original series, not the you know the the. 2005 reboot. What we call classic. Classic Who, that there have been uh, missing episodes found uh, in Africa, of all places, and they have been available on DVD and through iTunes most recently. Right. And they said, there's uh, actually, the Doctor Who podcast uh, talked about that and said how that's where you find, because the BBC got rid of these, but there's all these affiliates out there throughout the world that's where they're finding these classic episodes, whole, you know, old videotapes in the back of these uh, you know, remote locations. Yeah, so I think we're down to 97 missing episodes, and uh, Michael walked in the studio again. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't walk in before. Oh, he, he wants his lunch. So, All right, anyway, so that's going to do it for us. Yep. Um, you can leave us an email at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com and we're getting close to season four. Yep. And uh, if, if you've had trouble on with the Facebook page, uh, Dave shut it down for some reason. Yeah, Kevin but... Batchelder actually uh, sent me a Facebook message and I just told him it's temporarily, I forget, I had some right. clever. So I, I, apparently he's going to turn over control of it to me, but he uh, refuses to show me how to do that. Yeah, so so uh, we'll take care of that. We'll, right, get, anyway. we'll get it taken care of. Until next time. I got nothing. <laughs>